if I know where the produce has come from, if it's been respected, grown well, and then cooked right, and then shared with good friends and family, then I think that's that's my idea of um, yeah, I guess um, yeah, I guess happiness. That was Tom Hishon. This is Dugget, the podcast. This is your time, your time and space. There's no dream too big for you to chase. Welcome to Dugget, your daily your dose of vitamin D O U N G to get you through the week, not just through it, thriving through it. And today, well, time is kind of irrelevant because it's, a, I don't know when you're going to be listening to this, but hopefully we've, uh, wherever you are, you're in a good place and with good food and good friends, which uh, leads me to Tom, the man behind Orphan's Kitchen with his business partner, Josh, and they recently won the Food for Good Award. Uh, NNZ, which recognizes the top 50 restaurants that go be above and beyond to positively contribute to the natural cultural environment it operates in. Uh, they do urban gardening. I know they did a function with Kalmana Gardens, which was really great. They've done a couple there, beekeeping. they got bees on their roof. Um, they volunteer, they community guard, gardens. The list goes on. He's even got a wonderful manifesto on... Um, on his website about their food at Orphan's Kitchen, and it's my favorite restaurant in town. It's a real doozy. The food there's exceptional, but the thought behind it even more so. And so the manifesto is, one, practically express the qualities of purity, simplicity, sustainability that we'd like to see associated with New Zealand food culture. Two, respect New Zealand's erratic weather. And remember that ever-changing conditions give us true variety in the produce we like to use. Three, Work with regional produce that is cultivated and care high in nutrients holds a unique terroir of its area. Number four, it's the countdown. It's actually counting up, aren't I? Continue to invent, challenge, convention, and produce the best, produce the best dining experiences. Five, promote the protection of native fish species in our seas. Openly champion more sustainable approaches to harvesting food in our forest, farmland, and rivers. Number six, last not by least, educate diners about Māori heritage through ways of food preparation and bring forgotten flavours or ingredients to the table in a modern context. So there you have it. That is the manifesto from the man, Tom Hishon, who um, is a friend and also a fellow yogi. He loves to come to class and that innovation piece, we're actually going to do some uh, yoga for his orphans crew too, keep them moving well. You need that food and movement combination and a good community, which uh, makes you feel healthy and happy. And uh, we tap into Tom's origins. I love it how he failed school, hated school. <laughs> I don't know if he actually failed, he just didn't enjoy it. Uh, but when you find what you enjoy, which is what life is all about, which is what this podcast is about, then you thrive, you'll become the best at it because you love to do it. And Tom's proof of that. I think his best chef for the year last year. Um, and... Uh, also talk about his new project coming up, Daily Bread, um, which was a funny one because as as uh, he was putting together this amazing bakery concept with fermented foods and what have, 
because sourdough is actually a fermented bread product. There's a Michael Pollan documentary series on it. Um, I'll put it there in the show notes too. It's called Air uh, Cooked. Really fascinating. Chocolate's fermented too, for those out there who are wondering. Or weren't wondering, but are just like, wow, I didn't know that. It's uh, delicious and it's good for you. The raw cacao, though, it's going to be like 90% plus cacao. Um, but uh, this book, Plant Paradox by Dr. Stephen Gundry, it's a game-changing book on the evolution of food and what foods actually cause us inflammation and, and why people have uh, fermented certain foods like like wheat to make sourdough or why they've taken the skins off capsicums and the seeds out for centuries, why Italians didn't eat tomatoes for two centuries till they figured out you know skins and seeds were poisonous, till to how Columbus brought the nightshade family across from America um, all kinds of fascinating revelations around food and what foods we are just not designed to eat. Um, and it's a, I mean, it's a generic, no, not generic, but it's a really thorough understanding of human biology and history, um, which parallels the book Sapiens, another book I love, which takes this really wide berth at looking at life and what makes us healthy and, and where we're evolving and innovating to. Um, so I highly recommend it. And Dr. Gundry's Food Pyramid from the book, it's amazing. There's fasting is the second, is at the bottom of the pyramid. Right after the good vegetables and oils, then it's fasting, um, which I love. And uh, it's just a game-changing food pyramid as well. Um, and because the food pyramid, if you don't know, it's actually paid for by the agriculture industry. And there's a movie, What the Health, which focuses on Americans, um, their food system, but it's it's unbelievable how bad it is. I recommend that movie uh, as well. And a plant-based diet with with both um, with uh, which both Dr. Gundry and uh, the movie recommends, and Tom as well. I believe a lot of their food is plant-based, seasonal, local, and when they do use uh, meat, lion court or it's a pass, not just organic, or it's kind of pasture-raised, or it's as good as as good as you can get without kind of getting it yourself, which I, I think is kind of the ultimate. Um, and, and, and then if you go even deeper, then if you're looking at food and nutrition and health, you really need to do personal, understand what your nuances are, your gut bacteria, your uh, what kind of makes your body work because you're 90% bacteria so you know they might have things to fix before you can actually fix your diet completely you know or the Dr. Stephen Gundry's book has a, has a great way to kind of reset your gut bacteria and, and the biome so you can actually start to cultivate a wonderful rainforest of, of bacteria to keep you feeling amazing man I'm on a tangent here it's all good stuff but I'm going to get straight back into this podcast because um, it's a long weekend and it's a way long intro but here is uh tom hisham with lots of little insights and goodies get to his restaurant orphan's kitchen everything in the show notes um have a delicious nutritious uh day wherever you are and um yeah here we go here's tom when you trust without fear if, if people ask, what do you do? Do you, have you got an answer when you meet someone at a dinner party, or? Um, I guess I'm a cook. You know, I um, I started off as a cooking is what I love, um, and and now I kind of 
I do a lot of things around cooking. Um, it's such a broad, uh, broad. It's a broad role, you know. And uh, my job is. Um, it's not necessarily uh, doesn't have a designated role because I'm dealing with people all day. Um, yeah, and essentially just cooking delicious food and making people happy. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you got started in in the cargo. Yeah, it right. Yeah, yeah in terms what, of, what sparked um, the interest into food, or just um, I think when you when you um, when you live with people, or especially like my parents, who are so into food and um, had come from both farming backgrounds, so they were really uh, you know hunter gatherer, grow all their produce, um, yeah, kill their own animals, um, and just live off the land. I think you just develop sort of a natural. Um, appreciation and love for for it really and um, so yeah definitely my mother and my father and then and at what age were you do you think oh this is a career or this is something I could um, well it actually started from uh, when I was um, I just needed a part-time job because I really wanted to buy a scooter <laughs> <laughs> so I was uh, I think 13 or 14 at the time and um, uh, some friends and family said oh um, our mates have got a cafe in, um, in Chicago called the Fat Cat Close these doors quickly and um, carry on. And yeah, so I started as a dish end. And um, I guess even in just, you know, like a, a sort of quiet little cafe in Invercargill, we still, being in a kitchen is, um, it's hard to explain if you haven't ever worked in a kitchen, but it's um, a real sort of, uh, you have a real sense of camaraderie and everyone works together and um, yeah. That's what another thing that drew me in was just um, just working with people and that loved what they they did as well. And then we we thinking like just carry like do culinary school or, or yeah, yeah yeah. So I I, I hated school. Um, I didn't get You're not it. the only one there. <laughs> <brother>. <laughs> um, I didn't really I didn't really understand it. I um, never just never really yeah was into it and uh, I thought it was me, you know, I thought I was a problem um, and so doing something with my hands um, that I could have an end result that was, you know, that I could eat, um, that's what I wanted to do, you know, and so I finished end of sixth form and um, joined the institute down there and did my um, diploma in culinary arts for a couple of years. So I was, I was sort of 19 when I finished that and then moved up to the big schmuck. Nice. And, you, and where'd, you, where'd you start up here? Did you start just in restaurants? Or? Yeah, so I, I did a, a competition in my final year with um, a couple of classmates in Auckland and um, we ended up winning it and the, one of the head judges was, um, he was the head chef at Soul Bar at the time, Mark Wiley, and um, he said, look, if you ever want a job in Auckland, um, you know, here's my details. So I called him up after I'd graduated and uh, started it. That, that summer in the viaduct well wow. <laughs> for judith judith tabron and um and mark wiley yeah was that pretty oh sorry i'll give you a hand live cool got the wonderful thank, thank you. you cheers Hi. good thanks got the oh, amazing turmeric lattes raw kitchen um look at that yeah, the colour, I love the colour, eh? You mm. don't want to get it on too many 
uh, ruined my old flatmate. So cheers, brother. Cheers. Thanks for having me on the couch. Old uh, tea towels, Matt Quere. I think I had to throw out half the tea towels in the house. So I just have turmeric on everything. <laughs> <laughs> but um, what and was that a pretty like uh, abrupt introduction? Like, because that's a pretty full-on spot. Oh, it was uh, good. It was yeah. a really, a really structured kitchen. Um, a proper sort of uh, proper hierarchy, um, proper brigade of chefs, um, a massive team, you know. Like, I think it was over 100 employees at the time. And um, yeah, it was for me, I just was, had never been worked in anything quite like it. And it was a really, a really great way to start my career. Because um, someone, like, there's so many people who are interested in food yeah. and do it as a hobby or what would you say the most challenging or the thing they don't tell you or that well it's just I think probably for me when, when I started out I was young so I had I sort of had energy to burn um, and the hours I didn't mind because I was single um, it's a social um, occupation you know you, you go out and and um, and have fun after work with um, your employees and meet other people in the industry and it's it's just a really it's a really a cool thing to do when you're young and then you get you kind of get to a stage where um, your social life um, and outside of work becomes harder because um, you're doing more nights um, so you really have to decide whether or not to follow through and I got to a point um, in my sort of mid-twenties where I didn't know if it was going to be for me long term, and I think a lot of people, you know, have that same um, that same speed bump or hurdle. Um, but in terms of people getting into the industry, um, yeah, I think, um, yeah, I mean, you just got to do it for the love, really, because mm. it's it's hard. It's um, yeah. You, you don't have a social life. It's it's hard on your personal life. It's um, yeah, it doesn't pay well. Um, <laughs> you know, you're really selling it. Well, I'm not. No, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's um, it's it's a horrible choice, you know. But at, at the same time, I wouldn't I wouldn't do anything else. Mm. Mm. I think that's uh, because my dad was a chef by trade, and he's kind of got the same. The same echoes the same sentiment, but um, well, who were your mentors, or where'd you go from Solba, or did you have just travelled? Um, uh, um, we had a chef from um, Gareth Stewart, who's a, a good mate, and um, I really look up to him, and he sort of pushed me to go overseas at the time, um, and so I took his advice and went to London, and that's where I really, I guess, learned how to to work hard. Um, and you really sort of push your body, um, well I did it anyway over there, and you know, big days up at 6am and home after 12, um, wow. and that was what it was expected, you know, and it's changed a lot even in the last sort of decade, uh, um, the workload, and, but that's, I guess that's, that was a real, um, a sharp learning curve. Mm. Um, and it wasn't until I left I guess London after only a year of being there and went to Canada to do a ski season just to get a bit more balance in life um, and that's when I realised that I've actually come quite a long way in that short space of time, yeah. And, and then 
and then you considered, did you consider having your own place? Was that the, I think where you're heading? even, um, even at a younger age, I've always, it was always a dream, um, and yeah, um, used to talk about it a lot, living in London, and even entertain the idea of opening something up over there, and um, so that's kind of where Orphan's Kitchen was conceptualised, was in a, in a flat in Shepherd's Bush on Goldhawk Road. <laughs> <laughs> and was that with Josh? You'd met Josh yeah, at yeah. that point, yeah. Yeah, so we met over there and, and started, um, we lived together in, um, in, uh, in Shepherd's Bush and yeah, Josh had never really worked in the industry as, um, but he had a, a love for, I guess, wine and a really amazing knowledge for wine and, um, you know, he's, he's got a great personality and I said, oh, you'll, you'll be right, you know, you just, just learn along the way. <laughs> yeah. And what was the toughest thing opening up back here? Um, I guess probably... Well, maybe uh, the best thing about it, maybe it was more just, was just the excitement of having your own place, designing your own menu and... Yeah, yeah, it's, it's like, it's excitement and it's, um, there's, uh, you get scared at the same time. Um, but because you're really putting your um, putting yourself out there and saying this is what we uh, this is what we believe in, and until you start getting reassurance from um, customers coming in saying this is amazing, you're really taking a massive stab in the dark. Mm. And if people don't like it, then that's your livelihood gone. You know, <laughs> the bank the bank would have come and <laughs> proofs in the pudding, literally. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, it's a. I mean, it's such a neat spot and the fit out and everything. Was there a? Was there obviously there's a. A strong, aesthetic and. Um, we focus around kind of a foraging or, uh, you not, know, New not Zealand. Not necessarily. No, um, that's just come with, um, with time and. Um, I guess in the beginning we, we've always wanted to be a neighbourhood bistro first and foremost. And that's what we still strive to be, is that um, a regular's restaurant where people can come two, three times a week. And um, yeah, so we, we started out like that. And to achieve that, we had to be, you know, um, just think outside the box in terms of what cuts of meat, what proteins, what vegetables we were using, um, just to get the price down, you know? And, and in doing so, we restricted, um, restricted everything to the bare minimum and then I guess what was the, the result was was something just stripped back with that was honest and that's still sort of what we try and yeah well, I guess it's just continually evolving like yeah you're yeah. allowed to talk about your new project too yeah yeah like, for sure yeah <laughs> so you're looking at this bakery as well and um and and it's funny we're reading a or both read a book, the Plant Paradox book, and kind of yes. glutens and lectins and like mm. non-evolved foods that we're not so well adapted to eating, mm. maybe. And is there like big things you're trying to change in the food industry after reading that, or after just in, in general? Yeah, I think um, um, for me, what I what I love um, about food and about I guess one of the benefits of having orphans and um, is being able to share information and educate people um, around, you know, good choices and um, food that not only tastes good, but is, you know, 
you're doing the right thing for your body. So for me, that that sort of um, interests me a lot is educating myself and then sort of passing that on. And and with um, daily bread, um, is that the name of? Yeah, yeah. The name of it. Yeah, oh, sweet. Um, so that that will be focused obviously around um, uh, bread, but we'll adopt that same philosophy at Orphans, which is using you know local organic produce um, and local wheat um, isn't really used as much um, in New Zealand um, so we really want to have a, a strong emphasis in that and the book um, that you mentioned um, when I first started reading it I was actually like quite worried because <laughs> you know they talk about um, gluten and lectins and um, I was thinking and then you're opening know, a bakery like, <laughs> suicide <laughs> and then you know sort of halfway through then he sort of has um, he talks about obviously the fermentation and the breakdown of what that does to um, these so-called harmful lectins that are in um, not only not only the gluten which is a lectin but obviously the bran of the wheat which has a lot so the fermentation is a big focus um, and that's one one thing that we really want to sort of hit home and not only that you know the bread tastes better but, um, it's better for your body to digest um, and we'll also you know sell um, and make uh, a lot of fermented vegetables so your sauerkrauts kimchi um, everything we're already doing at orphans but more um, approachable for people to be able to stop by and pick up a loaf and um, yeah, a few bits and bobs, a few condiments, um, and take home, and also use it as a workshop and um, have sort of classes in the evening on on how to do it at home. And because I think you know, it's there's so much information out there, and people just really uh, it just goes over their head. But if you're actually physically making something and you learn, you're learning at the same time from doing it. Um, and then if you've got a, an end product that you can sort of eat, you know, you, you just have that understanding and appreciation and you never forget that. So that's something that really um, is exciting for me to be able to, to crack into. Cool. Any other books or influences, uh, uh, like movies, uh, documentaries or books that come to mind too? Like you, are you listening to podcasts or trying to get to other restaurants or what's the where you're trying to find the innovation yeah. or the or, or do you just I, I, do what you honest, love to do I, um, I don't really um, I don't really research and read as much as I should um, and I don't, I'm not sure if that's just because of um, you know not having too much time on my hands but um, I love getting out into the to the wild and Taking a forager's handbook and and finding a whole heap of things. Have you got? Because I've been. I just did that new age primal course, and we, I told you about foraging the oregano and the rose hip. And have you got an actual book for yeah, foraging? Yeah, there's, there's a few handbooks that you can buy, um, uh, and sort of just. Um, the, I mean, the, the main thing about foraging is actually identifying what you mm. what you're going to eat um, before you eat it. You know, it's kind of. <laughs> Rule number one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and that's that's what fascinates me, and that that definitely inspires um, thought for food at orphans, and um, yeah, and just I guess native flavors that have been forgotten, but applying it 
rediscovering them and applying it in a modern context um, through different you know techniques and applications is um, one way to get a truly unique product um, so doing things that you know with with native ingredients that's really um, inspiring for me because I feel that once we create something you know we, it's really you have something that's true and unique to to the land and the area that you um, forage in and mm -hmm. um, yeah that terra firma like in season and it's exactly it's yeah. what the body needs at that time of year and yeah totally that's just so many things we just don't even know that um, you know ancient people know or more intuitive people have known mm. or just living within nature um, and is there anywhere like that you'd like to get to in specific just you got the defender and enjoy a surf and a camp is there yeah. any spots you'd try and get to and um, I mean I love I love the west coast beaches um, I mean if I've got time and, and the surf's right going up to Shippies is always pretty good for the soul and um, yeah but we're just so spoiled we have two coasts side by side um, you know the Coromandel is right there and I guess yeah just sort of wake up and see what the weather's doing and then decide which is quite um, quite a cool way to live and what are there any parts of the world you want to explore is it more about doing stuff in New Zealand or are you trying to pick yeah. up like trying to still travel and get to other places or other restaurants you want to get to or um, yeah I think um, you know for me going to the world's best restaurants doesn't um, interest me as much as um, other things do you know and I think traveling um, traveling is great you know and I, I love immersing myself in a, in a new culture and new food and, and seeing um, seeing different ways that other cultures have um, you know discovered techniques and preservation techniques and, and whatnot over the you know a few centuries because New Zealand is such a young country and we we don't necessarily have um, a strong food, food culture yet so it's it's learning those new ideas techniques and, and flavors and then adopting it to our um, what we have in, in New Zealand so uh, last year I went to Mexico and, and that was amazing um, yeah yeah so you got the you'd saying you got the mole on yeah, the menu exactly. now too yeah yeah and that's a classic example of um, you know a um, a food that is you know indigenous to to Mexico and applying it with with our ingredients and and it's it's so similar but it's so so different at the same time um, so yeah and um, any shifts it was any like advice in the kitchen or in life that's really stood out from family mentors or anything, anything that kind of rings true um, or do you have advice what do you have advice for your 20 year old self maybe as a a better way of putting it like if you're starting out in the game again I don't know I, I don't think I'd do anything different as such because I think even from mistakes as long as you can learn from your mistakes and um, and, and sort of grow I think that's more important than actually yeah 
on that note then best mistake <laughs> there's got to be Best mistake. Oh, just, where, do you, where do you start? Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, off the top of my head, oh man. Um, oh, there's too many. Um, I don't. I don't know. I, don't, I really don't know. I um, yeah. I, I don't have one. <laughs> But I've got, I've got so many. Yeah. Um, yeah. I remember hearing the old man and his mates just talking about what had happened the year before or the month before, or the, just some guy like lighting the table on fire or burning something down, or apparently I used to drop the keys in the maple syrup tins or massive golden syrup tins and yeah. throw stuff in there. And But uh, it's kind of an exciting place to be. And have you got any tools in the kitchen that are like must haves? Um, I think one of the best things we have in the kitchen is um, an open fireplace. So um, the building that Orphans is in is um, it's a historic building. So the nature of it, it's got a, a lot of old, big sort of Victorian fireplaces. And late last year, I um, I put a um, sort of a metal plate at a hip height, and then filled it in with um, sort of fire bricks and tiles and we've got a rail halfway up the chimney um, so we we use that to hang hang meats um, cook vegetables and I think that that flavor profile is um, it really um, is quite it's quite powerful because um, it's what we know um, it's in our DNA and just cooking over fire is um, it's one one flavor that you can't you can't get in the pan, um, and it's real. It's it's everything you cook on on the wood fire or charcoal. It it, it just complements it so well. And I, I'm not sure if it's um, to do with the smoke or just the energy or the um, yeah. But that's probably the coolest uh, the coolest and the most important thing um, in the kitchen right now. And yeah, we will always cook like that now. It reminds me of that um, Francis Malman book, or the the fire book. Yeah. All the different ways to cook by fire. Cooking with fire. And um, what what do you think your world class at? Is there anything that you think makes you who you are? Like that you think is your unique skill or ability? Um, I think maybe. I think what I was touching on before with New Zealand being a a young country in terms of its cuisine, that's probably the strongest, um, one of the strongest things I feel like we have going for ourselves is not having tradition um, and actually being able to challenge the status quo on everything and anything. And from having that um, frame of mind, uh, it's amazing what you can come up with. Um, yeah, because I mean, if, if I was say born in France or Japan, I'd have an amazing food heritage, but I'd be very locked into doing what you know my ancestors had done. But so that innovation, yeah, yeah. And um, is there anything that makes you particularly angry that you're out to kind of solve? 
Um, or maybe that just makes you angry. <laughs> if I say if you were Prime Minister for a day, is there one thing you'd change? Oh, where do you start, you know? <laughs> would it be making all food organic or would it be yeah, things being need, wrapped in a, plastic? A, or, um, oh, do you need a hand, Erica? How are we going? Yeah. Nearly done. <laughs> the supplies. Yeah, I think we really need to have a, a solid hard look at how we um, produce food in New Zealand. And uh, I think we're, there's no question or um, doubt that we're always going to be an export nation. But I just feel that we need to really address the way we farm food, um, how we look after our land, and that being um, the fisheries as well as our rivers and um, pasture because just because something is more grows more abundant doesn't mean that the practices are right surrounding it or if you catch something on mass um, what that does to future populations of of a species so yeah I think um, I'd take a really good hard look at our, our quota management and um, yeah Maybe make look at looking after New Zealanders first, and whether that's subsidising certain products to stay in New Zealand. But the price of food here is crazy, you know. And um, I just think there, there needs to be some sort of levy that, if people are exporting, that it somehow comes back into New Zealand. Mm. Um, and then. Yeah, but yeah, the um, I, f I feel like we'll get there, you know, and it's it's only about having these conversations that um, and talking positively about it, which is all um, sort of make make the change and the, the choice comes from and the change rather comes from the I guess the people um, people dictate, not you know, not politicians. Mm. So what people want to do is um, that'll come through, but it's it's getting that information to um, the general public in New Zealand and educating them f f first and foremost. Um, yeah. Cool. And a bit of wrap it up. But um, what's your favourite meal then? What do you have? Uh, if you're uh, just cooking for yourself. I, I don't have a favourite. I, uh, <laughs> I'm I'm shocking with favourites. Is there a routine then? Is it daily routine? Do you have? You know. I, think, I think anything could be my favourite, but as long as um, if I know where the produce has come from, if it's been respected, grown well, and then cooked right, and then shared with good friends and family, then I think that's that's my idea of um, yeah, I guess um, yeah, I guess happiness. Mm. Yeah. Perfect. Um, I might get one little video on the phone then if you with the the question is it's like the Tim Ferriss one of you know if you had one billboard giant billboard outside orphans or somewhere around you know what's the one message maybe it's around health and happiness or food that you'd like to share and I'll get it on the video too if you want a moment to think yeah or yeah, maybe cool. it's just like one message um, yeah I think um, I think um, if, if I had a billboard um, above orphans with one message um, and that would be just to think con consciously about choices in life, um, whether that be with food, um, yeah, 
clothing, whatever. It's just ask yourself the question and then go from there. And uh, I think from that we can we can go um, go places, yeah. Do some yoga as well. Do some yoga too, yeah, yeah. Cool. Cheers, Doug. Oh, tip top. Thanks, uh, thanks for taking the time, Tommy. I thought to check out the new bakery too. Yeah, it's exciting. Well, I hope you found that delicious, nutritious for the soul, for the mind, for the body. Tom's restaurant, Orphan's Kitchen, game changer. Get there, it's the best in town. Well, I haven't tried them all, but it's my favorite at the moment. And you'll be doing well to beat it. Um, even the decor, it's, he's not payment status either. Or is he? No, he's not. You could though, Tom, if you want. You know, send me a few dollars. Maybe just some free food. No, it's, he's doing everything. He's doing more than, he's giving back more than enough. And uh, as I said, we're and then we're going to be doing some yoga together for his team as well and some of the hospital crew like Coco's, the amazing team at Coco's Cantina as well. Um, so shout out to those guys and then hopefully looking forward to, even though I don't really have bread, I think if my gut's feeling 100% that some of the sourdough, all the products he's going to have is where I'm going to head. So looking forward to seeing what he does with daily bread because um, he's a man with a passion and a purpose. So. I'm sure it'll be nothing short of exceptional. Thank you for listening. Again, share, reviews, comments, something. Uh, I finally figured out how to get my sound sorted, so that's going to be a new addition to the podcast, which will be enhanced audio quality for your ears, for your enjoyment. So that is good. And life is good. Think less, experience more. Much love and delicious food with friends. Hope you dug. Trust without fear